For those of you who don't know me, I uh, have four men. I have four sons. Uh, they're, none of them are boys anymore. They're all men. And uh, when they were little, I, um, I was pretty much parent of the year every year. I was awesome. I was really good at it. And uh, one day, I was being really good at being parent of the year, father of the year, and I uh, took Isaac to a flag football practice, which was up in the big field around the school where he uh, went, Cedar Ridge Elementary. And uh, while we were there, as I was getting ready to go, I noticed that Bianca was tired, and I was also going to go for husband of the year. So I said, hey, why don't I take Will with me? And uh, that way, you know, he can play on the playground, and you'll get a little rest. And she's like, yes, take him. And so we go, and uh, Will's playing on the playground with all the other older brothers, and Isaac's there practicing flag football, which is just absolute chaos. And at the end of practice, I uh, pick up Isaac, jump in the car, and go home. And I get home, and uh, Bianca says, where's Will? I said, be right back. So I jump in the car. Now, I live one mile from Cedar Ridge Elementary, so I was gone for about 90 seconds. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, maybe he didn't notice. And so I whip into the parking lot, come around, and I see Will on his face <laughs> like this. And, and I come to him. I say, buddy, you, you okay? He goes, you left me. And uh, I picked him up, and I put him in the car, carried him in the car, put him in it, drove him straight to Brahms, and I bought him so much ice cream that he is lactose intolerant to this day. Um, and I actually asked him about it last night because I was, you know, was going to tell this story. And I said, what do you remember? He said, all I remember is the, the, the look of the taillights as you drove away. You ever feel that way? <laughs> I mean, do you ever feel that way about God? Just like, dude, you, you left me. I needed you. I didn't want to be alone, and you just... All I saw of you were your taillights. I felt that way. Several times. And I think... Uh, it's important for us to remember at times like that that even though we feel abandoned, we are not. That God always knows what he's about to do and wherever we are, wherever we find ourselves, or however dark it may feel, God has prepared a table for us there. He prepares a table for us in the wilderness he prepares a table for us in, in, our, in the darkness. Psalm 23, the, the uh, psalm we read for the call to worship, tells, tells us he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. Even in the presence of our enemies, a feast is right there before us. Please stand as we read this great story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And I want you to remember that wherever you are, precisely there, Jesus has prepared a table for you. Please read with me from Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 44. This story is one of the few stories that's recorded in all four of the Gospels. Um, and I'll be picking and choosing from different ones, but I think Mark 
captures what I really wanted to show the best. So please hear the word of the Lord. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest for a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns, and they got there ahead of him. And when they went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place. And the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, Well, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. And then he commanded them to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. All men are like grass, and all of our glories like the flowers of the field. And the grass withers and the flowers fall, but not God's word. God's word stands forever. You may be seated. Wherever you go, wherever you find yourself, even in the most desolate places, Jesus prepares a meal for you right there. We are studying uh, this period during Holy uh, Lent, during Lent, preparing ourselves for Easter. We are studying these meals with Jesus, the times that Jesus sat down and, and, and ate with people. And, and this is a very important time when everybody forgot their food. <laughs> they all ran out into a desolate place and they listened to him all day and then and nobody brought food. And Jesus prepares a feast for them. And the first thing I want you to see is that the, Jesus, the good shepherd, uh, he adores his sheep. He adores his sheep. He looks on the people. And he has compassion on them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. He looks on the people and he has compassion on them. Because they are like sheep without a shepherd. They were foolish. Right? I mean, it's kind of dumb to go out in the wilderness without food. They knew there was no Kroger, right? And, uh, and he doesn't look at them angry. He doesn't look at them and get short-tempered and say, Again? Really? He looks at them with compassion. Compassion is a great word. It's a word that um, we think uh, it's, its etymology comes from the feeling that a mom has uh, when she's pregnant for her child. It's, it's literally, it's a word that involves the, the Greek words for guts. Uh, splachna is, what we, uh, is how it's translated. It's translated in uh, 1 John 
3.17, uh, John tells us, if any man see, has the worldly goods, if any man has worldly goods and sees his brother in need, and yet closes his splachna, uh, his guts, you know, that kind of feeling, then uh, the love of God's not in him. It's a, it's a physical feeling, and you know that physical feeling. You've had it. You've had it for someone that you've, you've looked upon, and, and they were weak, and they, they were in need, and you love them, and, and you just kind of feel this feeling in your stomach of they need help. It can be for a child. It can be for uh, a parent, a grandparent. Uh, you know, seeing your, your grandfather struggle to tie his wife's shoes. And you want to go and help. You feel that, that feeling in your stomach of compassion, of just just respecting him and, the sweet, and, 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 and loving him and, and seeing his weakness and what he can no longer do. And you, you just kind of, you, you literally feel it. And that's how what we're told that Jesus feels about his people. They're, they're dumb. We're dumb. And he looks upon them and he doesn't get angry. It's so important for you to understand. God doesn't look at you when you're in a time of need and go, well, duh. You should have saw this coming. He, he feels compassion for his sheep. He, he knows what's coming. That, listen to what, how Jesus describes himself. He says, All you who are laboring are heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly of heart. Uh, I love uh, Isaiah 49, 14 through 16. Remember I told you about being father of the year and forgetting my children. With that as a background, li listen to these words from Isaiah. Zion has said, the Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child? That she would have no compassion on the son of her womb? Yeah. Even these may forget, but I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Even a, a mother could forget her nursing child, but I will never forget you. I've engraved you on the palms of my hands. That is how the Lord feels about us. He not only adores his sheep, but he anticipates their needs. Um, Jesus, in, uh, in, in John chapter 6, we're told this. Same, the same occasion, just a different uh, disciple's perspective. He says, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, he said to Philip, where are we going to buy bread that all these people may eat? And then you got this great verse. I want you to remember this when he says, he said this to test him, for he knew what he was going to do. Isn't that awesome? I love that. They were all out in the middle of the wilderness in a desolate place. We're told three times in, in Mark it was a desolate place. Jesus took his disciples to a des desolate place and the crowd ran out to the desolate place and there was nowhere to find food because it was a desolate place. And it really looks like somebody just messed up. 
We should have planned better than that. And we're told all the time, Jesus knew what he was going to do. These dumbos, they didn't know what they were going to eat, and they should have remembered that. I mean, come on, you ever found yourself without something to eat? One day when I was an RUF intern in Knoxville, in the middle of winter, I announced at RUF that we were going to do the first annual Martin Luther King Day hike. And so had a bunch of students with me, and we went and hiked up to uh, Charlie's Bald. There's all this great hiking in, this, in the Smoky Mountains. And it was a three-mile-out and three-mile-back walk. And uh, the entire path was covered with ice, being January. And uh, that's hard walking, you know, you kind of. So it takes a while to get there. And we got there, and we were out on the ball, which is just a big rock, and beautiful view. And I didn't have anything to eat, and I was starving. And one of the students brought two apples, and he gave me one. I thought that was very godlike. Uh, you know, I should have thought of that. But Jesus isn't taken by surprise. He already knew what he's going to do. Don't you want to just take that verse and... and tattoo it like here or somewhere where no way can see it um he know he already knew what he's going to do lord I'm, I'm i'm in the hospital waiting on test results and i'm scared jesus already knows what he's going to do father i've lost my job i don't know how i'm going to pay the bills jesus already knows what he is going to do my my husband has left me jesus already knew what he was going to do. Isn't that good news? We're not taking him by surprise. He doesn't, uh, he isn't shocked. He already knew what he was going to do. And he provides for the needs we don't even know we have. Uh, I love the way he feeds them. He makes them sit down. He says, make them sit down on the green grass. Uh, doesn't that remind you of something? Should It should remind you of the call to worship. You just heard it five minutes ago. The Lord is my shepherd. I, I need for nothing. He makes me lie down in the green pastures. He makes me lie down. I'm too much of a dumbo to rest. Uh, there's, see, there's a, there's a picture there um, in that culture, and it's still to this day in that culture, in the, in the uh, Near Eastern culture, uh, and when there's teaching going on, the rabbi sits down and everybody else stands. So Jesus had been sitting on the, the, the hillside uh, for a long time, but everybody else has been standing. To this day, uh, can you imagine that? That would be very awkward for me. If y'all were all standing right now and I was sitting, A, because I can't do much while I'm sitting. I get too nervous and want to, I don't even sit in my office. I mean, good night, sit here in front of people. But uh, they've been standing all day, and he had to make them sit down and rest. Hey, uh, gosh, how long ago? Eleven years ago, I went on a sabbatical. Time to rest. Spent six and a half years planning the church and, and was thoroughly exhausted in every definition of the world and, word, and it was time to rest. And I decided that I would rest by removing my deck and building another one in the middle of the summer because I never do physical labor and thought, <laughs> for some reason, thought it would be restful. Of course it wasn't. I was getting exhausted. I was wearing myself out even more, and, and I was ripping the boards out, and I'd gotten all the boards, the, the top layer boards ripped out, and I was starting to get the, the foundational boards removed, and I slipped and fell because I've never had good balance. And uh, as I was falling, I st stepped down to catch myself, and uh, I 
nail just went right through the rubber sole of my boots. It didn't really, like, injure me, but definitely hurt me. <laughs> and uh, it was enough to draw blood, you know. I went over to the patio, the part I hadn't torn up, and pulled my boot off, and there was blood coming through the sock, and I had had a tetanus shot. Um, but this, the Lord brought this verse to mind. He makes you lie down. He made me sit down. We're not, even, we're not even wise enough to know when it's time to rest. He anticipates our needs. And then he amplifies our gifts. He not, only, not only does he adore his sheep and anticipate their needs, but he amplifies our gifts. So he, he says to the disciples, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. That's tricky. And they say to him, well, we have five uh, loaves and two fish. That, that's paltry resources. And we see here this, this principle that we see throughout the Bible that, that God uses paltry resources to accomplish great purposes for his glory and for our good. He uses paltry resources. He, I think he does that on purpose just so we don't miss the point that you couldn't have done this on your own that you could not have done this on your own. Uh, when we moved in here a little over 10 years ago, we bought this piece of property. Um, we arranged to lease this piece of property with amazingly little resources. Some would say irresponsibly little. Some who don't have faith. Just kidding. Um, and we, before we ever moved here, we'd already rented out one of the buildings, and we were getting good rent inc income from that. And so the whole plan was, you know, we're just going to rent this other building out. Uh, at that time, it was called Building 2, very precise name. And now it's called the Youth and Activities Building. But we're just going to rent that other building out. And with the rent we get from these two buildings, we'll easily be able to make our rent payment of $20,000 a month. And um, 15 months later, it was still sitting empty. 15 months. We moved on. We... we Closed the deal in April, and in July of the next year, it was still sitting empty. And for the last seven months, we had been burning through $10,000 a month of our savings. And people were getting nervous, and I was scared to death. And every day I would go out behind the building and put my hands on it. I'm not Pentecostal, but sometimes you just got to do what the Bible says. So, um... I just put my hands on it and said, Lord, I know you didn't bring us out here to starve us. And at, at just the right time, Jesus knew what he was going to do. And a, a Burmese pastor showed up and asked if he could rent it. And we were afraid. We were like, yes, or yes, you can rent it. But we can't afford to make it any nicer. Oh, we'll take care of that. Well, when do you want to start paying rent? Here, is, th is this soon enough? And he saved the existence of this church. He saved it when we knew for sure that we weren't going to save it on our own. It's kind of like Jesus. He just wants to remind you. Sometimes he just lets us remember that we're children. That we're not going to do this on his own. He, he said, our own. He says to the disciples, you give them something to eat. And you know what's awesome about this text? They do. How does Jesus feed the, the 5,000? He gives the food to who? 
his disciples. And they go and give it to the crowd. He enables them to do precisely what he calls them to do. He enables them, he enriches them so that they are able to do what he told them to do. You give them something to eat, but we don't have anything. Well, give me what you've got. Oh, okay. Starts handing it out, and they take it out. And as far as the, the crowd was concerned, the disciples fed them. They didn't, they, there's no real way that 5,000 people could have seen what was going on up there in this little crowd of 12, right? All they see is, is the disciples coming to Jesus and, and getting bread and coming back out and, and giving it to the crowd. They don't know where it's coming from. They, I guess they assumed that he had had a good catch that day. And the disciples fed them in groups of 50. He amplifies our gifts. He does amazing things with whatever he gives us to do. He, what he, he enables us to do what he calls us to do. He amplifies what he gives us. And finally, we see that he abundantly fills our needs. They all ate and were satisfied. Isn't that great? They all ate and were satisfied. And then he said, and Bianca, this is Bianca's favorite verse, Jesus said to them, let nothing be wasted. And so they went and got all the leftovers. Twelve baskets full. That's an, a shocking number. Twelve baskets full. One for each apostle. A basket full of bread and fish. Everybody ate everything they wanted. They were all were satisfied. And there was a basket left for each apostle. He abundantly fills our needs. I think as we think about this uh, period, as we go through this, this time looking at the meals, we need to not just jump past the meal in and of itself. We don't tend to thank God for food nearly enough that he satisfies us. Have you just thought literally about food? How awesome food is? A lot of us, a lot of us, maybe most of us, maybe all of us, uh, feel like kind of have food issues, right? We, we eat to comfort ourselves, or we eat to self-medicate medicate ourselves, and we, we develop these kind of compulsions, and, 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 and we try so hard to stop eating because either we are, have out, e- eaten to an unhealthy level or because we just have an unhealthy uh, view of our cells, our bodies, and, uh, and so food becomes almost like the enemy, like we're always trying to not eat, and we're trying to not want it, and, and wherever you are on that spectrum, and I, I really seriously pray that you get help, because it's hard, it's one of the most addictive things in the world, eating disorders are hard to heal, and you won't do that by yourself, and I encourage you to, to get help, but Wherever you are on that spectrum and in that struggle, I want you to know one thing for sure. Food is not the problem. Food is good. It is a good gift of God. He did not have to give us food. He did not have to give us taste buds and and the ability to smell. He did not have to give us pineapples and sweet potatoes and and strawberries and blueberries. He didn't have to give us steak and salt and pepper. He didn't have to give us food. 
He didn't have to give us this bread that smells so sweet it makes you feel like you could float to it. He didn't have to give us cherry pie. But he did. Because he's good. And that's the kind of God he is. And when you enjoy cherry pie, you are making him happy. When you smile because that spaghetti sauce just just thrills every ounce of your soul, you're making him happy. He's like the Italian grandmother going, eat! Makes me happy to see you eat! He tells us that, I think, three times in Genesis. He, he, he keeps reminding us and rem- reminding us, I gave you food. I made the earth bring forth food. That tells us what kind of God he is. Not only does he sustain us, he gives us food, good food. Good food. And I think sometimes we forget the miracle of it. Uh, You know, it's tempting for us to think, man, if I could just see a miracle, I'd believe. But, what you know if you've read the rest of this text is that the crowd did not believe. They came to Jesus the next day and said, would you just give us a sign? Now, that either means, A, they were insane and didn't thought they needed a miracle every day, and it's more likely that they just didn't see the miracle, that Jesus just fed the disciples and the disciples fed everybody else, and they didn't see the miraculous nature of it. But, and we think to ourselves, well, that's sad. They missed it. But have you missed it? I mean, I want you to think about this. God takes dirt, water, sunshine, and a seed and creates food. That's amazing. I think that's more miraculous than taking bread and making more bread. That seems kind of... You know, a replicator could do that. Uh, but taking, the, taking dirt and producing food? Have you forgotten the miracle of that? The miracle of, that is life that we cannot recreate? I mean, do you really think that that's just there by luck? That just happens by luck. We're so lucky that strawberries, not only are they not poisonous, they taste good. Shocking. God creates food that's good for us. He anticipates our needs and he, he adores us and he amplifies our gifts and he gives us food. When, when, we're, when we're feeling abandoned, we need to remember that, that God never leaves us. As David said, he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I started you off with a story about me being a father of the year. Might as well end you with one. Uh, I, I, our house is exactly one mile from the library. And I wanted, I, I had this just gigantic fear. I'd never lived in the suburbs before. This is the first suburb I've ever lived in. And I didn't want my kids to grow up, you know, suburban kids. I wanted them to be able to get out and be brave and find things and, and be outdoor kids. And so... 
uh, one of the things I really challenged them to do was, was go to the library. You can, you can get there. It's not that hard. We have a walking trail and that comes to our neighborhood. Get your bike out. Go on the walking trail. And Bianca's like, it's hard to get there. It's like, no, it's not. They just have to cross one busy street. And that's a hun- that's a Mingo, and it's not that busy in the summer. And and so I explained the whole route to them. I gave them, I printed off a map from Google Maps and highlighted the thing. And and I gave them, uh, I gave them a cell phone so they could they could you know if they got lost they could call me. And I said, go, you can do this. Go. Really, we have to. You have to go. So they get on their bikes, and they get up. They they find their way up to uh, Mingo. So far, so good. And they completely missed the turn. And they're confused, and one boy going off to the, the north, and the other one just sits on the sidewalk and starts crying. And, uh, and the phone rings, and Harold answers it. And I said, well, what are you going to do now? He says, what? I said, do you know what to do next? And he said, no. And I said, well, the, the crosswalk's right in front of you. Just go across that street. And he said, how do you know that? And I said, well, if you'll look up on top of the hill in front of you, you'll see my car. And I'm watching you. I've been here the whole time. They felt terribly alone and terribly lost. And they were right there under my eye the entire time. Do you know that? God is there the entire time. He is your shepherd. You are not lost. Wherever you are, you are here. If you are in the valley of the shadow of death, you are here because he has walked you here, and he will walk you through it. Now, i got one final question, and it's time for me to— I have to ask this. I'm sorry, because it is shocking— it's shocking that Jesus teaches all day, feeds 5,000 people, and we're told that on the next day, in John 6, we're told on the next day, everybody abandoned him. They all left. 4,988 of them left. And, uh, and he looked at the 12, and he said, are y'all going to go too? And, and they said, and Peter spoke up and said, where else are we going to go? You have the words of life. Where else can we go? And the, and the question I want to ask is, have you felt that yet? That this is the place where you find the words of life, and you're not going to find them anywhere else. Have you felt that yet? I mean, it's, it's very tempting in, in the southern uh, kind of church culture that we live in. A lot of, all of us probably a high percentage of us definitely started going to church because our parents made us come to church. And we continue that well into our adulthood, a lot of us. We, we just don't feel like we're being who we ought to be. We're, we're betraying our childhood. We're betraying our parents if we don't go to church. And so we feel bad about ourselves if we don't go to church. And so we come to church. But just like the crowd who did not hear the words of life, We don't, nothing feels real to us. We haven't had that experience, that, that experience that Christians call being born again when it becomes so real to you, you can't possibly deny it. Have you had that yet? 
do you actually believe this? Is, is this Jesus that real to you? Are these words actual words of life to you? Or, or is this just what you do? I mean, if you haven't, then just don't lie to yourself. There's no, there's no health that coming, comes from lying to yourself. Come and, and talk to us. You don't have to come. If you don't want to come talk to us, just go talk to God and ask Him. I don't get it. I don't hear words of life. Will you open my ears and let me hear? He promises. Everybody that come, calls out to Him, He will answer. Call out to Him. You obviously want to. You're here. Call out to him and ask him to open your eyes that you can see him. Let's pray. Father, we praise you that you are the shepherd who never leaves us. You're the father who never abandons us on the playground. You adore us and you remember us and you lead us through difficult places, desolate places you're there with us, dark places you're there with us. Father, we pray that you would help us to feel your presence there, Lord. Even sometimes we believe that you're there, but we don't feel your presence there. Would you heal us so that we could feel you? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.